Hey, Parfew, uh, I'm in California, uh, struggling, struggling, you know, in California this weekend because my granddaughter is only a month old, so she can't fly to get to us for Thanksgiving, so uh, we had to go to them, and at least my kids, if they're not going to live by me, live nice places. So, uh, um, so I'm, I'm not here this weekend because uh, of Thanksgiving. I hope your Thanksgiving's gone well. Uh, I booked Naeem a long, long time ago. You've heard Naeem before. Uh, he's been here at Parkview many, many times. Unique uh, as a communicator, funny guy. I mean, just uh, when I first heard him, I booked him. I mean, no kidding, because uh, his communication style was just that powerful and that good. And the backstory of uh, growing up as a Muslim and then coming in you know, to Christianity and the way he did it. If you've heard him before, you've heard some of his story. Uh, just a supernatural calling. I mean, more like uh, more like the Apostle Paul than Tim Harlow, and uh, really, really cool. So, anyway, money, sex, and power. Uh, this week is power. Just kind of worked out that way. But uh, in the you know in the midst of all the things that are going on in the world, uh, to have a person who grew up in Kuwait uh, to be able to come and talk to us about how easy it is to get Applejacked about power. I mean, this just worked out really, really well. So, uh, please welcome my my good good friend Naim. Good morning. Good morning. How you guys feeling? Good? Ah, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. How you guys feeling? Awesome. Awesome. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. If you're a guest here, welcome. I'm, uh, uh, I'm Naeem Fazel. I'm a pastor at a church called Mosaic uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, but uh, I'm here and I get to spend time with you guys, and it's really great. In fact, uh, I love that uh, I'm talking about uh, uh, the series that we've been in. Uh, you know, Pastor Tim mentioned that uh, we, you guys talked about the series was about, you know, money, sex, and power. And uh, I don't think he mentioned it in the video, but he was like, hey, listen, uh, you talk about power, I'll talk about sex, uh, I know more about it. And I was like, okay. He's like, I'm older. I was like, all right, player, whatever, you know. You do your thing, bro. And so I'll, I'll talk about power. Uh, now, he might have not have said that, but he's not here. So he's not here. Uh, but, uh, hey, I, I am glad to be here with you guys. And Pastor Tim and his family are amazing. Uh, the leadership of this church is just wonderful. And uh, the volunteers, man, I got to tell you, the volunteers, man, at Parkview, whoo. Wow, they're amazing. You got to give it up for them. I mean, right now, right now, they're taking care of your kids, the ones you don't even like. I mean, they're taking care of them. And so and they're doing all kinds of other things. So glad to be here. Uh, let's talk about power. Anybody love power? Yes, we do. We do. We do. Like if I were to ask you, how many of you would love to, you know, to feel or to be in powerful positions? How many? Yeah, see, see, okay, here. People are like, I don't know, this is church, I don't know. But let me ask you this. How many of you would like to be weak? Yeah, nobody. Nobody. We love power. We love the idea of power. We love to be in powerful positions. We love to feel important. It's, just, it's how we're wired up. And if we're ever in that place, we don't want to get out of that place. But the problem is if you hang out in that powerful position long enough, if you have given, been given any power or some importance, you want to just keep more of it because there's only one more thing powerful people like is more power. That's just, just, just true. And we, if we do dumb things, for example, for example, 
uh, several years ago, I was in Germany, and I got invited, here's the thing, I got invited by uh, someone I really respected. I mean, uh, this guy was like a mentor of mine, a pastor, and, um, and uh, he asked me to come to Germany to do a conference with him. I was like, yes, hello, yeah, I'll come. And uh, so I show up, and, and uh, it's, it's great. Like, I was one of the keynote speakers, so it went really well, and uh, there was a translator, and it just went great. Then we did, like a, uh, like, a breakout session, and hundreds of people came to my breakout session. I was like, man, they love me in Germany. I mean, I'm big in Germany, just like, you know, the Hof. Anyways, so um, <laughs> some of you guys got that. But... But then we did it like a Q&A, Q&A with the whole conference. So it was me, a translator, and the pastor I really respected, you know. And uh, so it was going great until one guy asked me a question, and I had no idea what he was talking about. Like, I didn't know the answer, but I should have, like, because I was in the position of power. Like, I should know this. I'm on stage. So I did what, I, what you're supposed to do. I just pretended. And so I just started talking. And I was hoping I'd come up with an answer. Like, I, I was just hoping. So I just kind of started making stuff up. And so to the point, like, the, one, the, the you know, interpreter looks at me and goes, are you sure about that? And like, I'm like, what? just shut up, do your job. You know, like, you know, think, do your thing. And so he just keeps translating what I'm saying. Finally, the pastor, you know, that I really respect, he looks at me and he, he goes, he whispers to me in English, he goes, land the plane. <laughs> okay, you guys know what that means? You do? Because I didn't. I had no idea. I'm an immigrant. I, I'm still learning this stuff. Like, a couple of weeks ago, I just realized that the expression is boatload of things, not buttload. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know. So he goes, land the plane. I'm like, okay, bro. Like, I think he means, like, you're on a rocket ship. You're going. Keep going, bro. This is going to be awesome. So I just keep yapping more. And uh, it just keeps on going. Finally, he turns to me again. He goes, land the plane. I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do that. And then I thought, did I talk about planes? I mean, I was, uh, did I say planes? This was like after 9-11. I'm from the Middle East. I was like, planes? I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't know planes. I didn't say anything about planes. So he's confusing me. He just keeps saying, land the plane, land the plane. Finally, he interrupts me. He shuts it down. It's over. And the air after the debrief of the conference, he goes, do you know what land plane means? I was like, no. And he goes, it means what? Yeah, finish, make your point, shut up already, right? That's what it means. I was like, so I just pretended, pretended, and what I wanted to be, you know, viewed as, because I got wrapped up, you know, applejacked in one sense by power, it just kind of messed me up. I think you and I are the same. I mean, you might not pretend. You're probably better than me. But I think when it comes to power, we kind of pretend like we have all the power in the world. We're strong enough. We're good enough. We're talented enough. And we love positions of power. We love the idea that we could be talented and we could just believe that we're so talented we can do anything. We're so skilled we can do anything. We got personality. We got looks. Hey, hey, hello. You know, you're like, man, I got it together. I'm powerful. I'm powerful. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you let power, especially if it's like linked into your position, your talents, your skills, linked into anything else other than God, it's going to mess you up a little bit. So this morning I want to talk about that. I want to pray for us, and we're going to go kind of go to the Old Testament a little bit, go to the New Testament a little bit. It's going to be fun. So let's pray together. Let's get started. Lord God, we thank you so much for this morning. 
And God, I just pray and, uh, and I believe, God, there are people here who need to hear from you and not me. They need to... Um, they need a word, God. They need to know that you exist. They need to be reminded that you love them. They need to know and believe, God, that with you, with you, Lord, as they trust in you, Lord, it will be well with them. That, God, that, that in the midst of everything that's going on in their world around them, in the midst of everything they're struggling with and pretending to have it together, some of us, if not most of us, don't have it together, and we need you. And so we ask you to come fill this place. Fill this place. Speak to your people. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you got your Bibles, uh, go to the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. If you don't have one of those, if you don't have your iPad or iPhone or anything like that, we can put it up on the screen for you. But I'm going to go to the Old Testament, and, and it's going to be in Jeremiah, because in Jeremiah, um, it tells about a story, and this story is pretty interesting. It's about a guy who basically got caught up in a power position. I mean, he got caught up in the whole power thing, and it, was not, it didn't work out well for him. This guy's name, we'll call him, his title is King Zedekiah. Can you say Zedekiah? All right, so who are we talking about? King who? King Zedekiah. Interesting guy. So he, he, this is where he shows up in like Jewish history. The Jewish people began as a people. They came out of Egypt, remember that? Yo, yo, let my people go. Okay, so it was like, you know, a big group of people. Then they established their first king, which was King Saul. Saul went psycho. And so then you had David. David was good. But then after that, the kings started falling apart. The kingdoms started falling apart. In fact, that one kingdom broke into two kingdoms. So a group of people broke into northern kingdom and southern kingdom. So here's what happens. Jewish history tells us that when these things were happening, part of the reason why they broke up is because there are so many other uh, foreign empires who would, take on, who would conquer them. So it started with the Assyrians, then it was like the Babylonians, then it was like the Persians and the Greeks, I believe, and then it was um, the Maccabeans uh, just for a little bit, and then the Roman Empire, and that's when Jesus shows up in the, in the story. But we're going to back it up all the way, not from the front, like, Assyrians, but the next ones, which were the Babylonians. So this is where King Zedekiah shows up. So here's what happened. Babylon, uh, ba the Babylonian kings come in. They take over the northern kingdom. They're, they're ruling the southern kingdom as well. But there's a particular king of the Babylonian king. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. Can you say Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. This guy's a big bad dude. Big bad dude in history. Okay? So he comes in. He takes over like the southern kingdom. And he does not want to deal with the everyday stuff of the Jewish people in the southern kingdom. So what he does is he picks a guy. He picks King, what's his name? Zedekiah, 21-year-old. Picks him up. He goes, hey, who wants to be king? You want to be king? He's like, yeah, I want to be king. So he takes him, changes his name to Zedekiah, puts him in charge of that southern kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, the big bad king, he sits in the back and he goes, okay, hey, bro, okay, you're king, you rule these people, you take care of their problems, but here's what I want you to do. I just want you to pay me taxes, right? Sounds like a good plan, 21-year-old. It's all good. I'm big and bad. I got king. I'm king now. I'm king. Okay, even though he feels like he's in charge, is he really in charge? No. Who's really in charge? The big bad king, right? Nebuchadnezzar is in charge. But... He's 21. He's living life, throwing parties. He's like, hey, it's awesome. It's awesome. Years go by. Years go by. He's like, you know what? I am king, and I can do whatever I want to do. And I can do blah, 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 blah. 
you know what, I don't want to pay any taxes anymore. Now, how many of you have ever thought that? <laughs> right? Like, you know what, I don't want to pay taxes either. It's ridiculous. Just like us, he goes, I don't want to do this anymore. He turns around, he goes, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, big bad king, uh, we're not doing this anymore. It's not happening. I'm not doing anything. I'm not paying you taxes. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, excuse me? Excuse me? You're doing what? He's like, I, I don't, uh, you don't own me? I, I'm, a, I'm anointed king here of the Jewish people. I got it going on. I can do whatever I want to. Nebuchadnezzar, the big bad king, he goes, wow, okay. Well, let me just see what uh, we should do. He takes his army, which is huge, and covers the entire city, puts it under siege, just wraps his army around the whole city and goes, okay. In fact, the southern kingdom. He goes, okay, you or the, or, uh, you, you, young, uh, you, know, you young Zedekiah, you're in charge, right? I'll tell you what. Let's see how well you do on your own. No one can leave the city. No one can come into the city. You're self-sustained. You're big, big and bad. You're powerful. You, let's do this. No one's allowed in. No one can come out. It goes on for two years. Two years. And at some point, the young king is like, this is not a good idea. In fact... When kings get in trouble, when kings abuse their position, you find in the scriptures that God would send certain groups of people, some guys, they were known as the prophets. And they would go to them and say, hey, what are you doing? You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. Remember with David? He went to him and was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So in this case, with Zedekiah, it was in a prophet, and his name was Jeremiah. Jeremiah goes to him and says, this is a bad idea. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do you know what the young king does? He throws him in a well. He's like, I don't want to hear it. You're in a well. He throws him in a well. So two years are going by. At the end of those two years, uh, things are really going bad. No one really likes the king anymore. No one's coming to the parties. There's nothing. There's no parties anymore. So the young king goes, uh, maybe I should talk to God about this. Have you ever had that thought? I'm in so much trouble. Maybe I should talk to God about this. So he goes, okay, you know what? Let's talk to God. So, uh, hey, who was that guy who was talking about I shouldn't do this and that and blah, blah, blah? What's his name? Jeremiah. Where is he? He's, uh, he's in the well. You threw him in the well. He's like, oh, let's get him out. Let's get him out. Yeah, he's been in the well for so long. He's like saying, repent, repent. People are walking by going, pay the rent? What? What? Pay the rent? Oh, there's Jeremiah. So they took him out. Bring, they bring him out. Bring him to the young king, Zedekiah. Zedekiah tells him what's going on. He goes, all right, well, here's what God says. Here's what God says. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, the Lord God Almighty. That's what he's saying. The God of Israel, he's in control, says this. This is it. What is it? What is it? This is what does it say? This is if you, what's that word? Well, I can't hear you. Wait, what? If you surrender. I don't want to surrender. No, no, no. But if you surrender to Babylon, 
you and your family will live. And the city will, what? Not be burnt. But if you refuse to surrender, you will not escape. You will not escape. This city will be handed over to the Babylonians and they will burn it. The flames. <laughs> they will burn it to the ground. Hey, hey, hey. I don't, I don't know if you want to hear this. You know, amazing king. But here's what God's saying. Surrender. If you surrender, you live. If you don't surrender, it's all over. The question is, does he listen? No! He comes up with a better plan. This is, his better, this is his best plan. When no one's looking, I'm going to run away. That's his plan. I'm going to leave the people. The soldiers, hey, you guys with me? Okay. In the middle of the night, we're just going to make a run for it. That's his brilliant plan. Puts Jeremiah back in the well. All right. This is what happens. Then a section of the city wall was broken down, and all the soldiers made plans to escape from the city. But since the city was surrounded by the Babylonians, they waited for nightfall and fled through the gate between the two walls behind the city's gardens. You guys still with me? Check this out. Then they made a dash across the fields and in the direction of the Jordan Valley, but the Babylonians chased after them. They're sprinters. And they caught the king Zedekiah on the plains of Jericho. For, for by then his men, his boys, had abandoned him. They're like, this is a bad plan. We're out. See ya. You know, this is, they're gone. He's caught. What's going to happen next? Let's find out. They brought him to the king of Babylon at Riblah, where sentence was passed against him. There the king of Babylon made Zedekiah, big bad king, made Zedekiah, Watch. Hey, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. As all his sons were killed. You're excited. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go back. And they also, I love it. I love it. They also killed all the other leaders of Judah. It gets, it's get, it gets PG here. Look at this. They, then they gouged out. Zedekiah's eyes bound him in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. Zedekiah remained there in prison for the rest of his life. So here's what I want you to do. You think you're big and bad. You think you're self-sustaining. You think there's power in your position that I've given you. You think you're talented, smart enough. You think you can do it. You think you can handle your own. You think you can. Let me just tell you something. First thing I want to do is I'm going to make you watch till I kill your future. Right in front of you. And then I'm going to gouge out your eyes because that's the last image I want you to remember. I killed every hope you had. And then I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to put you in prison for the rest of your life. So it reminds you who really is in charge, young, big and bad King Zedekiah. Because I'll tell you who's really big and bad. I am the Babylonian king. Now, this story illustrates something so profound to us that when you and I put our hope and our position in, in um, 
in our power or this image of power, this place of power in our skills or talents and all that, it always gets us into trouble when we wander off from God's ways. So here's a couple of notes, thoughts for you. There, there are several of them, but just let's just go through them. Here's a couple of things. First, first thing you need to remember is that when in the midst of this, God will do certain things. One, he will have compassion on us. And what that means is, is that when we're kind of going a different direction, when we're beginning to think and believe and do things that are not of God, he will, he will have compassion on us. And that means is he'll, he'll, he'll want to draw us back. That's the reason why uh, Jeremiah actually went to this young king to help him. So when you think like right now you're, you're going the opposite direction from God, the reason why you're here is because God has compassion on you. You need to understand that in the midst of your rebellion, God's first response is compassion. It's not anger, it's compassion. The number two is that he'll continually warn us. So that he, he will send people your way. When you're doing something, when you're making a dumb decision, and you're making a goofy decision, or you're making a, a, a complicated decision, God will send people your way. I mean, have you ever heard someone say, hey, 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 I, I, know, I, I know he's bad for me, but you don't know him like I know him. And you're like, no, we all know him. We all know him. Girls, stop the madness. There are people in your life, you're like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you buying that? You can't afford that. I can't afford that. No, you can't. You can't. You can't do that. People, God will send people to warn us. I think some of us are being warned. Number three, let us have our own way. God will let us have our own way. If you ever find yourself or have you ever found yourself in a big pileup, can I say crap? No, I just did. Tim's not here. Hello. Okay. So, yeah, if you ever find yourself, if you ever find yourself in a big pile of stuff, guess whose fault it was? Yours. God has let you do it. Sometimes it's just your own mess. You know that. It's your own mess. But God will let us do that for a period of time. Now, here's what we have to understand. First of all, pride, this idea of power and uh, uh, it, it, number one, it affects others. Like, so when you make a bad call filled with pride or you make a bad call that you oh, no, I'm going to have my way, it affects other people in your life. You don't think your sin, your attitude, your, your, the way you say things, do things affects other people. It does. It does. You, okay, you know that saying, um, what, um, what happens in Vegas? Saying this. Not true. Not true. Uh-uh. If it itches, it lasts forever. Think about it. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. Okay, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Yeah, keep on going. Okay. Number two, blinds our vision. It blinds our vision. Sin always blinds our vision. We, we, we let, uh, it, it, it makes us focus on the here and now, not on the future. It's a problem. Number three, it imprisons us forever. Debt is a big thing. It can imprison you forever. It can feel like forever. But the good thing is God, God can make a way where there seems to be none. So it's a good, good thing for us to be close, close to him. Let me give you a couple of other things here. Here's what we should do. Number one, we should listen. Some of you guys, you're here and you're not listening. You're not listening. I mean, you hear me, you're like, you're laughing, but you're not listening. Some of you guys, you really want to listen. Some of you need, need to listen. So I would just say, lean in and listen and say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Number two, we should surrender. Ah, 
we don't like this word right here. This is like a frowny face. No, it's a the frowny face. <laughs> now it's got a, it looks like a fish. I'm just going to make, like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I'm just going to make stuff. All right, anyways, anyways, I don't know what that is. But surrender, that's the image. I was an art major anyways, anywho. Okay, number three. Number three, what's that word? Obey. obey. We got to obey. Don't want to do it, yeah, 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 but you need to. You need to. Why don't we, though, right? Why don't we? You know why we don't? We think that our position, our talent, our education, our personality, our awesomeness is powerful. Like we have the power within ourselves. We bought that lie. Hey, everything I need to face or will face, I can handle it because it, I can do this. And we just think that if I, we can just do the things we need to do or, or uh, we can be in the right position, we can change some things. Like you're thinking, you, some of you are actually thinking, if I can get in the right position at work, I will be in the right position in my mind. I will feel better if I'm in the right position, if I'm in, in the right position relationally. If I can just, uh, you know, be married, if I can just find a date, hello, if I can just do this, then I'll have the power, I'll have the peace, I'll have the strength to overcome. If I can just find the right friends, then school will be great. It's not, it's not true. It's not true. Jeremiah, the guy who warned the young king, he writes a phrase, it's, it's profound, it really is, and he, it's, it's profound because it came from God, and he, he, he writes it to the people of Israel and this is the heart of God concerning what we tend to do and what we all tend to do. Here's what it says. It says, for my people, that's us, have done two evil things. What? Just two? I mean, we've done a lot, man. I make up stuff to do. That's evil. He's like, no, no. There's, when it comes down to it, my people only have done two things. What are those two things? Number one, they have forsaken me. To forsake someone is, is to forget. They're like, they've forgotten me. They've forgotten me, and then, uh, and, and, uh, and I'm the fountain of living water. Like, I, I'm the source of all power and strength. They've forgotten me. My people only have to do two things. I'm bothered by just two things. One, they've forgotten me. Number two, they have dug up for themselves. They've made for themselves cracked cisterns that can't hold no water at all. Like, they've, two sins. One, they've forgotten me, the source of all power, and then They've made up their own cisterns. Their own cisterns are like, imagine a bucket with holes, right? Wells with holes. He's like, they've made up their own things they carry around for strength and power, but it has holes in them. My people have only have done two things. It breaks my heart. They've done two things. See, in those, in those times, people got it. They understood cisterns and wells. They get that because it was in that time and age. They say, this doesn't make any sense what you're doing. You've forgotten the source of power and then you've been trying to make up your own power that has holes in it. It does not work. Here's a modern day translation of this, okay? A translation of this passage, okay? He says, here's what people have done. Here's what people have done. This is a power source, right? Power source. My people have done this. What is this? This is the dumbest thing ever, right? You think this works? Looks really goofy. You were never meant to plug into yourself. This is self-help right here, people. Right here. 
Burn the books. This doesn't work. You have to be actually plugged in to a real source of power, and then other people can plug into you. But we plug into ourselves, and then we go, hey, 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 plug into me. Really? Like you're carrying your family. Really, you have the power, sir? You have the power to carry your family, your grandkids? You have, you, the, you're so strong. You're so big and bad. I don't, I don't know about that. Because sometimes in life we face stuff, it's so big, anxiety is so big, you can't really handle it. And what you have to understand is that here's what real power lies in. It's not in your position. It's not in your position. It lies here. It lies in your proximity. Proximity to God. You want real deep strength. You want confidence. You want to be, you, you want to be assured. You want to walk in this peace that surpasses all understanding, you want to walk through this difficult situation in your life, you need to understand. You need to be plugged in to God. It's not in your position. It's not in your talent. It's not in your ability to do amazing things. Yeah, yeah, you're fabulous. But it's, it, real power is really um, your proximity to God. That's where real power, that's where real peace comes from uh, as well. You know, um, let, me, let me just talk about this. You know, some of us, uh, the reason why we're anxious, um, at least right now, is because of um, ISIS. Uh, you know, you think, of, you think of what's been happening in Paris and different countries as well. You wonder what's, what's going on. People have asked me because I'm from the Middle East. I was born and raised uh, in Kuwait, came here. Um, and uh, I came to faith in Jesus. And, and so I've, I've, you know, I have Middle Eastern friends, and, and I, I know that background. And, you know, people have asked me, you know, what, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? And, and I mean, I, if I could ask a room like this, hey, what do you think we should do? We all, well, I all have different answers, right? We're like, well, let me just tell you what we should do. Okay, we need to elect some real people in that, you know. We need to do a lot. I mean, we all have, um, we all, we all have ideas on what we should do, Right? We all, we, but the, here's the problem. Here's the problem. And we, we, we're not in a position, we're not in a position to um, make any major uh, policy changes, are we? We're just, we're just not. I mean, some of us obviously work in the business and work in the industry or work in that, and we can do something, but we're, 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 it's, it's hard for us as a church to do that. Some of us, is, is, we're not really in a position to, like, change uh, people's minds and give us our, you know, plans that we should do. This is what we should do. And what people have asked me is, okay, okay, in the midst of this anxiety-filled situation, what should be the church's position? And here's my, I just want to tell you this because I think some of you really wrestle with this. Um, um, let me just tell you, there's something different when we all come together. You see, you and me are very different people. But when you and me come to, come to a gathering like this, you and me become us. You and me become us, which is called a particular name. Jesus said it's called the church. We become the church. The question is, what should the church do? What is the church's powerful position in the midst of terror, in the midst of ISIS, in the midst of all kinds of situations that are going on? Here's what I believe it is. We have a position. It's a power position. Because we want to we insert our power in different ways and ideas. But I'll tell you, when it comes to the, just the church, we have a position that no other entity, no other organization, no other community, no other tribe, no other group of people are called to do it. 
We are in a particular position. No one else is called to do it. No one has the anointing to do it. No one has the ability to do it. The church is called to take a position, and that position is on our knees because no one else is doing it. Like no other entity is going, you know what? Congress is not saying, you know what we should do. They're not saying that. But we have the power to do that. Why? Because it's tapped into our proximity to God. Here, here's what's interesting. My, um, uh, I was, uh, when I was in Kuwait in the Gulf War, there was a, there was a moment that I thought it was going to be all over. But basically, my dad and myself got stopped at a checkpoint. And uh, we got, you know, uh, pulled out of our cars, slapped around, and lined up. And I was like, this is it. This is it. We're going to get shot. And it was a foreign army. We're like, this is it's all over. It's all over. And I remember my life like going, uh, is, this, is this how it's going to end? And then a couple of minutes later, they let us go. They wrapped up what they were doing, and they took off. And I, I don't know what happened, but they got a call or something. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we just survived this. They looked at us and said, if you, next time we'll see you, we'll kill you. But they just didn't have time to kill us. I was like, that's great, you know. That's wonderful, man. You got to go. Time is money. So go. Just do your thing. And, and there were n- numerous times like this, guys, that, that miraculous things would happen. Can I just tell you, when, when, when you see these uh, terrorist attacks going on, evil doesn't want to stop at killing dozens or hundreds. It wants to keep on. That's what evil wants to do. But I can tell you, when I look at those, I go, the reason why even worse things are avoided in this world is because there's a church. The church, not just Parkview, but not just Mosaic Church. No, no the church of Jesus praying supernatural prayers and God moves supernaturally in our behalf. Here's a passage of scripture. Let me just go to it really quick. This is the 72 that Jesus sent out. They came back really excited. So here's what happened. They came back, returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They're like so pumped. And this is what he said. He said, I saw Satan like, uh, fall like lightning from heaven. Basically, he says, I have authority. Satan does not. I have authority. And then he goes on and says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that what? Your names are written in heaven. He said, let me tell you something. You, are, you, the church, are in such a powerful position. It's not because of your uh, it's not because of your politics. It's not because of your smarts, your skills, your talent, your influence. No, you're in such a position because of who you are as a church. Corporately, you want to fight terrorism, you begin to pray supernatural prayers and things will change. I'm proof of this. But if you want something in your life to change, if you want this anxiety to end, this addiction to stop, and this relationship that, that's so unhealthy to just stop, your position again is dependent on your proximity, your closeness to God, your conversations with God. So that's my prayer. And this is the last question I want to leave and pray over you. Here's the question. What are you doing to get close? Close. 
Because your power, your real power lies in that. Not in a position you've been given. Not in a position you think you have. Or you should have. Not in the power, not in your ideas. No, 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 no. It's in Him. It's in Him. So let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you. This morning as we end, Lord God, I pray. That, Father, you'd remind so many of us that, God, our position of power is really uh, on our knees. Uh, it's the only way for us to steward power well. It's the only way for us to be responsible people who are in authority. It's the only way for us to get a grasp of, of what is going on in our life. It's the only power we have to do the things we know we should do. God, my prayer is that uh, we would be people who, who fall in love with you again, again this morning and who would commit to just doing whatever we can do in this moment to stick, take one step towards you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.